Well, look who it is. Jimmy Max. How are you, mate? You okay? I'm good, mate. It feels weird doing this in the middle of the day when we probably should both be working. Well, I'm on my lunch break now, John. Oh, yeah, That's, me too. Uh, yeah, lunch, yeah. Lunch I've been break. on my lunch break for the last three years. <laughs> uh, so to give people context, Alan Christie, who are obviously usually on the podcast, could not do one this week. So I asked my good mate, Jimmy Mack, if he, the man of the people, I may add as well, because I think at this point, this podcast has been going for a couple of years now. And I think the one that we did together previously is the third most listened to podcast ever. So you're just giving and the people what they want, Jim, yeah? And it was early doors as well, wasn't it? So Very early doors, yeah. Know. So uh, yeah, to give, give people context, me and Jimmy uh, go way back. We've been uh, the best of friends since our university days. We've played for multiple teams together over the years. Um, I've been on record to say Jimmy is, is one of, if not the most talented player I've played with. Uh, questionable attitude at times. Is that fair to say, Jim? Very, very fair to say, mate. And unfortunately, I'm seeing it in my son as well. So he certainly oh, passes through. Okay. So, uh, yeah, because how's he, how's he getting on? He's just started with Burton Albion, is it? Burton Albion, yeah. They played Leicester on Saturday. I've seen the best eight-year-old I think I'm ever going to see. He was unbelievable. Really? Flicking it over people's heads. Like, just kids didn't know what to do. Like a young Jimmy Mack. Oh, mate, a million times better than a young Jimmy Mack. Honestly, if he doesn't play for Leicester first team, so much wrong with the world. And what's uh, what's going on with Archie? Is he just a little bit of temperament in there? or what's No, that? no, he's good, mate. He's good. He's... Uh, he gets angry though. He's like, you know, if things don't go his way, he gets angry, and then, uh, and then, and then the emotion comes out, which is understandable for an eight-year-old. Yeah, I have the, as you know, I have the exact same problem with my ten-year-old. Yes, I think it, I, I, uh, I blame YouTube at this stage because I think he just sits there and watches like people whipping it into the top corner. Or yeah. what, what are the? Is it the F two? Is it that F2, do all those videos? F two. Yeah, so he thinks that he can just rock onto a pitch and do like 16 <laughs> step overs, a backflip, and then kick it into the top corner, and it doesn't always work like that. What so do you mean I, you can't? Well, I can, but not everybody, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, Jim, right, we're going to talk about um, the weekend's football, right? Yes. And as you know, I am a Liverpool fan. Uh, Tank, yeah, who is know. on this, yeah, you wouldn't know. Uh, Tank, who is on this podcast, is also a Liverpool fan. Chris, <laughs> Christy is not, so I'm glad that you are going to be stepping in here as a non-Liverpool fan to add a little bit of balance. Yeah. Is that fair? I think so, mate. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a shock to the to the listeners where they're going to get someone who's not just pure Liverpool. Yeah, don't try and wind me up just for the sake of it. Pure though. Liverpool bias, just like Pep said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll come to that. Uh, so I want to start off, obviously, by by the Liverpool game because that was the first one up at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, pressure, uh, pressure was on. Um, you know, and and I think a lot of fans would have looked at that, whether that be Manchester City or Liverpool fans, and thought, oh, okay, that Spurs coming to Anfield, a resolute team under uh, you know Antonio Conte, who knows how to set up his his sides. Yeah, that that had pot potential banana skin all over it, and it it, it seemed to go that way. Um. What did you make of the results? Was it surprising to you or did you see that one coming? Um, I didn't see it coming, but it wasn't a surprise, if that makes sense. So mm. I thought that that was a game that Liverpool might slip up, knowing how Conte sets up his team. And then I realised it was at Anfield. So my, my first mindset was, this is going to be a Liverpool win this. Um, so it... In that terms, I guess, yeah, it was it was a surprise, 
But I was also expecting them to get a result against you, and I'm not surprised that they did, playing how they did it as well. Because that was one of the things, I suppose, off the back of the the game that probably caused more, I think, more attention nearly than than the result itself was. Yeah, Klopp was quite quite outspoken, I would say, after the game, and he obviously came out and we're all emotional people. These cameras get thrown in, in people's faces straight yeah. after a result, but he was, he was questioning Conte's tactics. He was nearly hinting that they've got too many talented players just for them to, to block and chase. Yeah. Do you think that's just emotion talk in there? Would you read too much into to those comments? What did you, what did you make of them? Um, I agree with what Klopp's saying, but you've got to look at it from a, a Tottenham point of view. So if, if I'm in that Tottenham side, and we're playing like that and we lose, I'm getting mad, I'm fuming because we've played rubbish and we've lost, so we got nothing from the game. Whereas if played in that manner and got a draw, so in fact, from a Tottenham point of view, they'll all be going, great, we've got the result, we've got a result against Liverpool. From a Liverpool point of view, you've got to see it as a bit of a compliment, really. You're one of the best football insides in, in the world. And Say that, say that it, again, Jim. <laughs> Sorry, lad. You're one of the best football insides in the world, and a team who should be fighting for the top four, who's arguably got two of the most informed players in Son and Kane, have got 11 men behind the ball and, and don't want to lose. So it's frustrating from Klopp. He's frustrated more than anything, and I can understand why. He wants to win the league, he wants to go and win everything. But from a footballing point of view, normally teams with lesser players play blocks and you can play through them. Look at the Everton result. When a good team do it, it becomes more difficult. And that's, I think, Klopp's frustration in that. I think I think you make a good point there because that's one of the things I noticed in the game in that I think the stats have come out now. I can't quote them, but, yeah, but it, it basically it echoed the same point that I noticed once Spurs hit us with the counter. You knew it was a threat with Kane and Son. It, it nearly worked perfectly for them. Yes, Liverpool had a lot of the ball, but Spurs had, had kind of huffed, uh, huffed and puffed, frustrated, got what they came for, which is the perfect counter-attack. And then what you noticed within Liverpool was it was nearly like a little bit of panic. It's yeah. funneled, funneled the ball wide and Trent was just whipping cross after cross after cross. And you know, if you've got two banks of four or it's probably more than that, um, you know, for yeah. the last 15, 20 minutes, it was, it was food and drink for Spurs. Did that say a little bit of panic? Cause obviously you, you've played in games where teams have camped in. You're a player that likes to cr get on the ball and create. How difficult is it from a playing perspective to come up against a, a low block like that? So hard because what you're relying on is for your movement to create space for other people. So when you've got a, a back four, for instance, as a striker drops deep, let's just say um, Jota or Firmino do, it brings the defenders with them. But if they're dropping deep, they're just falling onto the centre midfielders. So your back four or the back three in this mindset or back five with the two wing-backs filling in, do not have to move because the player's movement just falls onto another player. So when you're not trying to go forward, you just literally run it. It's like a pinball machine. You hit off one bank onto the next bank, so you can't find that space to go anywhere. So in theory, the most open space probably is outside to Trent, but then he's got to try and recycle that back in and, and generate that movement um, 
from the passing of, you know, the little intricate passing. But sometimes you get to that point, you think, right, you know, it's a David James up front moment where we're just pumping, pumping balls into the box and hoping for the best. But yeah, you've got to be a little more um, intricate in your in your play. But when frustration sets in and you're ten minutes to go in a title chasing game, it's all better off, really. Yeah, I, I certainly got that sense from from Liverpool because in a game where they were comfortable and and you know it, it felt like they were going to get the goal. That, that sucker punch from Spurs, it sent shockwaves through the stadium and then you could nearly feel a little bit of nerves creep, creeping into the team. And and from your side, do you look at that now and think that that's probably title over for Liverpool? Do you think they just bit... Because the one thing actually on that that surprised me and Klopp, I thought was really impressive yesterday in his, in his um, new press conference was he said that a draw at home to that Spurs side isn't never really a bad result no, in, in, in terms of like normal terms but I suppose it's just been inflated the standard from Liverpool and City that a draw at home to a good Spurs side with two world-class players is now felt nearly like a defeat are we just expected a little bit too much of these teams at the moment I think you are and like I said any other time of the season you go you know what that's a good result and everyone it's probably in, not with the possession stats, etc. But if you were to look on that at paper, let's say December, you go, yeah, that's a that's a fair result. But when Liverpool are chasing the league and the points tally is so high, and Tottenham, although they've been playing well, still aren't at their best. That's where your um, differentials come in, in in terms of you know confidence and team play and that sort of thing. So, do I think that's Title's gone. Um, I, unfortunately, the only thing you could hope for is West Ham do you a favour against City. But again, that I can't see them beating them, so you need a draw. I thought the game on Sunday of City could have been a potential banana slip after you know such dramatics in the week. Um, but obviously, City got through that with you know with with not a, a problem at all. So yeah, I think that is title gone. I'm afraid. Yeah, it's funny. I nearly feel like that result for Liverpool gave City the, the shot in the oh. arm that they probably needed off the back of the Madrid game, which probably weighed heavy on them. You know, Liverpool have dropped those points, which means now that City can actually afford to drop points, which, you know, it, it's a completely different conversation. If Liverpool win that game against Newcastle, uh, no, no if, sorry, if, if Liverpool win that game against Spurs, they come down for the City fans going into that stadium. The pressure is on. It's a completely different game, but it just looked it looked easy for City for large parts. Yeah, you look at the games that City have got, Wolves, West Ham, Aston Villa. And if you're going in on equal points, quite close goal difference, I think one of them could be a potential banana slip. With you falling over, with City losing midweek, I think now I couldn't, you know, Wolves have been awful. West Ham bounce back but I can't see them getting much the only benefit benefit you've got is is at West Ham um but again the way City are playing it's I can't see them getting anything and then and then you've got to hope for a Stevie G masterclass on the last day of the season so yeah it's a it's a difficult one and and it's probably going against you actually with City being knocked out because they're going to want to win the league now whereas if they were still in the Champions League they may slip up because they were thinking of other things as well yeah it's a, it's a fair point i think when you look at the city game one thing that struck me 
as impressive as they are, you know, they're nearly like flat track bullies. I think if if you don't find a way to get after them, and it's easy for me to say that, you know, sitting here, get after Manchester City, an absolutely exceptional side. But if you if you don't get after them, it's nearly like you're a sitting duck waiting for for, for the inevitable. And I, and I kind of felt looking at that game that I think Newcastle had a couple of chances early doors. I think Chris Wood missed the sitter, um, and they obviously had the goal disallowed. But after that, it was it was nearly a procession. But the one thing. To come out of that, nearly more than the City result, is Pep Guardiola's press conference, post-match press yeah. conference. Yeah. And like I've been well documented. I, I find Pep a little odd, right? And this is where you can tell me if this is me just with my Liverpool glasses on. He just seems very easily rattled. He seems like he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And his comments about everybody in the media is a Liverpool fan... Um, it just screams to me that perhaps he feels this City team don't get the credit that he thinks that they deserve. I think it's I think it's a collection of a few, a, a few things. First things first, it's any manager, isn't it? It's us against the world. It's classic Alex Ferguson. You're all against me. Siege mentality. I'm rallying my team. You know, everyone sports Liverpool. Nobody wants us to win. Well, hold on though, Jim. I, no, he, I was going to say, in a minute, if you let me finish, I was going to say, on. in fact, I think that's the opposite. I think if you ask a non-Liverpool and a non-Man City fan, who would you want to win the league? I think the majority would say City. I think Liverpool are the are the more disliked of the, of the two teams. So, But from his point of view, I think he's just seeing it that way, that you know everyone's against us. He's just been knocked out of the Champions League in the 90th minute when they've not had a shot on target up until that point. So he's probably smarting a little bit about that as well. But I think he's just trying to play mind games. And you've got to understand, I've seen Pep's team live. Obviously, my son's my son's a Man City fan, so we've been to a couple of games. They are unbelievable. But we went to Watford a couple of weeks ago. Watford came back 2-1, and they looked a little bit shaky. But, and then step up, they step up the gas, and it's just relentless, so... The problem is, and it's the same with Liverpool, when they get that much possession and they're that attack-minded, as a defending team, sooner or later you're going to bow under that pressure and then it's the floodgates open, which is what didn't happen against Tottenham for your boys, but is quite often happening for, for City at the moment. So, yeah, he's, he is rattled. He's probably, like I said, he's, he's, he's smarting over the result midweek. And he's just he just wants to get the Premier League in the bag and, and then and then he can concentrate for next year. Yeah, it's it, it's a weird one with me because I I look at the city thing and I this is how I see it, right? I think there probably is an element that Liverpool get more attention than City, but I think the reason is a couple of things. So I think Liverpool are a bigger club than Manchester City. That's not a snipe at Manchester City, it's just as a result of history. And, you know, the the passing on of being a Liverpool fan and success, Liverpool globally are just a bigger club than I Manchester agree City. With that. Yeah, that's... So, so from then a media perspective, if you want to generate clicks or if, because that's ultimately how these oh, websites get all, paid. Yeah, yeah, they want more people, which is the fan base that is going to generate more clicks. So when they cover a Liverpool story, there's more fans, there's more clicks, there's more ad revenue from websites. But then you have... The romantic side of it. So, and it, this is where I want you to tell me, I'm just being a Liverpool fan and I need to shut up, right? So, yeah. if you look at the Manchester City storyline, yeah, they are not the plucky underdogs. 
it's not us against the world, despite Pep trying to make that. And I understand that's what he's got to do. But when you look at it, there's not really a romantic story in the fact that Manchester City have unlimited resource. They can go out and buy whoever they want, questionable question marks over how they do that behind the scenes, mm. um, feeds into a narrative. But then at the same time, when you look at other fans in the league, Liverpool are far more disliked. City don't really offend anyone. It's nearly no. like, what's the lesser of two evils? Look, if Man City win it, I don't really know too, man, too many Man City fans. I can't bear Liverpool fans to chirp up and be annoying. So it's nearly like teams, are like, other fans are like, yeah, go on. If City win it, everyone expects them to anyway. So yeah. it's actually not that annoying. Is that fair, do you think? It is fair. And I like it. How do you know someone's a Liverpool fan or a vegan? Because they tell you. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's very much of, and I know a lot of Liverpool fans because where we went to uni, obviously we went to uni in Liverpool and they're very vocal. And I'll, and I'll admit it, 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 can, it can be, I wouldn't say grinding, but it's 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 relentless but that's your love for your team so that's not that's not a downplay on on you guys in how you promote your love for the team and and, and your love for that team but from a from a and if you just imagine a, a, an average person if someone's telling you something constantly about something and someone's just going about the business you tend to go to what you know if someone's telling you how rich they are and like flashing it around. I'm not. I'm not saying this in money terms. I'm just talking in in general terms. And you got someone who's well off, but just goes about the business. You tend to gravitate to them and go, "Oh, they're a nice guy," or "That guy, he's proper." They're not in your face. Guy. You know what I mean? I'm not. So from that point of view, I think I think that's why there's a lot of, and that's where my sort of distaste towards Liverpool fan goes to is that it's it's in your always. Face. It's in, it's not in your face, but it's 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 Liverpool FC and it's Liverpool FC and and the same for you guys. It's us against the world, it's us against the world, and and you know that's that's the narrative that's fed. Do I think that? Do I think that most people will want City to? You know, is that a um, a fairy tale story? No. Are you a bigger club? Yes. Does it? Do any other do Man City fans care where their money comes from? No. Does every other fan care? Yes, because they don't have it. Are Newcastle fans caring where their money comes from? No. Are everyone else because they don't have it? Yes. So and don't act like Liverpool can't go and spend money, mate, because you you know you're not you're not exactly the paupers in the corner asking for more. It's a very different conversation though when you get into Liverpool are funded. It mostly, well, actually, pretty much in its entirety by player sales. Because yeah. a lot of people say, well, look, hold on, you went and bought the best goalkeeper in the world, the best centre-back in the world, best centre-midfielder in the world, or defensive midfielder in, in Fabino. But two of those players were, were completely funded by the sale of Philippe Coutinho. Whereas you look at Manchester City now, they've obviously been able to go out and buy uh, Haaland, which is an unbelievable signing for, for them. Um it is a, a very different conversation, but I think I was listening to Danny Murphy on Talk Sports. He was nearly hinting that, you know, everybody should want Liverpool to win the league because of how they've done it. That's just going to annoy fan, a lot of fans, majority of fans, because 
there is always question marks around how clubs do things. And like you said, Liverpool certainly aren't paupers, but I think the point he was trying to make is they have to be smart in their recruitment. They cannot afford to make mistakes, really. And if I'm being honest, I think back you know, in Michael Edwards' time as uh, in charge of Liverpool and the transfer committee, it's probably only Carrius. Carrius that has been probably a big a big mistake. The majority of the signings have had impacts. You could say Oxley Chamberlain. I think he still had a, had an impact. Um, whereas Manchester City can afford to stockpile players. They spent over two hundred million on a back four alone, and if they make a mistake, it doesn't matter. So I think that's where probably the difference comes in. I understand where you're coming from, but that's just better business, isn't it? You've got two businesses, and one's better at it than the other. So it's not like you can't just go and buy players. I get that you've been funded by them sales, but that's just, you know, I wouldn't say luck, but you've sold one player and you've got money to spend, so you've used it to spend on there. If you hadn't have sold Coutinho and you hadn't have sold X, Y, and Z, that doesn't stop you from going buying, Alisson. I, I don't think we buy him. buy him, though, Jim. I think that's the point. I don't think we have the It was just because we were able to sell him. for. We Let's be honest, we robbed Barcelona blind. Yeah, absolutely. They've had their pants pulled down well and truly. Um, but my point, I still think, all right, you might not buy two or three, but you've got the funds. Everyone in the Premier League now, regardless of what you are, have funds to go and buy 50 million, 60 million pound players because of the TV deals, because of the revenue they're doing. If, yes, a lot of who, who could do it might then have to find stuff out the back end that, you know, they're going to be in trouble because of it. That's why they don't do it, but you can. Now, you're just lucky or or you've got great business people behind there who sold them players that have generated that money. Whereas New, uh, Man City are just lucky that they've got an owner who's worth more than the world itself. So, you know, it's it's, yes, it's different. And it feels different to you and it feels different to a Man City fan. It'll feel different to an Everton fan. But they're your feelings, aren't you? No one can tell you how to feel. That's just how you feel. It doesn't make their business wrong and it doesn't make your business wrong. It's just different. It, saying that, Jim, how many times have I left WhatsApp groups over the years many. because of comments made about <laughs> Liverpool? Mate, <laughs> I was talking to our friend Dave and I thought you were going to do it at the weekend, but he left you alone, to be fair. If, if, if Liverpool lost, you were getting it. <laughs> yeah, to, to be fair, I, I'm an easy target and I know it's happening as well. And I still would like to think that I can just be calm about this and laugh it off. But there's just something about Liverpool. I just revert, yeah, I, and revert back to my premium, previous comment on on your love for Liverpool and everyone else. You know, I see your brother on Facebook after a, a meaningless result trying to give it to every other fan. I'm going, you know, what what are you doing, Paul? Like, you, you don't need to do that. But he just loves it. And that's that's my point. And that just adds to where you go, you know. And I don't see every Man City fan going after they win game after game after game, going, ah, oh, United are rubbish and Liverpool are rubbish and whatnot. Whereas I see Liverpool fans all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. Paul will be listening to this. So yeah, hello, I, I Paul. Hope so. Stop it, Paul. Just <laughs> put the phone down. <laughs> uh, now, Haaland to City. That was uh, talking of uh, spending the money. Um, look, yeah, even as a mean, Liverpool 60 fan. 60 mil, mate. Yeah, but, it, you know, when that you're looking at cheap. the... Yeah, it's it's cheap in terms of the the fee and the buyouts. Yeah, I know but, the wages are going to be massive. Oh, it's going to be it's it, it's it's unbelievable. But money aside, because like we it's do, not we've, all money, been, mate. 
we've all become bloody accountants at, at this <sighs> stage. And, you know, it's a, it's an unbelievable signing of a player that looks elite. It looks like he's going to score every single time he steps on the pitch. That's probably the one thing, that's the one chink in the armoury of this City team is that they probably haven't got a striker who's just going to bang goals. It was why they were after Harry Kane. Yeah. What, what do you think this does to that Manchester City team and, and to any team looking to challenge them over the next few years? Honestly, Go I on. think it takes them a mile away from anyone. I really yeah. do. Don't forget Haaland's 21 years of age. He's not, you know, he's not Harry Kane at 28, 29. He's 21 years of age. Not even Six close to his peak. Pardon? Not even, Not even close, close to his feet. Yeah. Six foot what? Uh, six foot four. Tall, strong, got pace, can finish. I mean, let's let's just look at his stats now. Yeah. I think he's almost at one goal a game. So you know, he's forty-four goals in forty club appearances in twenty twenty, and that just continues on. So if you imagine, and that's in a Bundesliga. Okay, it's not great. But you've still got Bayern Munich in there. So you imagine him up front with balls from Foden, Grealish, Sterling, Jesus, just getting played into the box for him to just feed on all day. I think he, I think he'll break the goal scoring in a season. Really? I, think he, I do, mate. I do. Not because he's that good. I think he'll just get that many chances. Yeah, we, it, Manchester City have that tried and tested formula where it's get the ball wide, the little cut back across the box, and you literally just need someone to put the ball in the back of the net, which is why I looked at the Harry Kane thing and thought that makes a lot of sense because the one thing about Kane is he has practised his craft. Whether you're a fan of him or not, he has practised his craft of goal scoring. You see the yeah. way he strikes his, a, a ball. It's just repetition, repetition, repetition. And you get that sense with Haaland. It doesn't matter how the ball falls to him. He literally just scores. Just scores. And he can score, you know, he can... He can. I think one of his down plays would be his build-up play. But I was listening to the radio myself the other day and there someone within the, you know, the Bundesliga was saying that he's brought that side of his game on fourfold in the last couple of years. Um, so not only that, he's going to get you assists as well. So it's not it's not just Haaland. You know, you've got to understand City have outscored most teams without a striker. So you put a striker into that team and he doesn't even need to play. Uh, as I said in our WhatsApp group, his injuries are, are probably his only downfall. And, and what if I was any other fan is what I'm praying for. But Pep can just manage him. He can play, you know, one in two in the Premier League and just roll him out for the Champions League. And he'll just, and I think they'll be frightening. And don't forget, I don't think that'll be the only player they'll sign either. So Jesus looks to be going. Um, so they'll get a good chunk of money for him. So that will fund the, the money for, you'd assume that Arsenal will pay 30, 40 million for, for Jesus. They're desperate for a striker. So I think I think it's it's just going to take him to the next level, mate. Unfortunate for for everyone else in the country. Can I be honest, right? And fans label this at Liverpool, you know, throw this at Liverpool fans um, a lot. And Liverpool fans will bat it away and say, "Oh no, it was good, it was fine." The winning the league behind closed doors left me feeling a little bit. Uh, not vacant. What's the word? Um, it's it was, me. Yeah, it was just 
Like I'd had this build up for years. It was more relief. I think I felt relief generally mm. that we'd finally done it. The monkey is off our back, but I didn't get this big release, this big celebration. Yeah. Like I remember when we won the, the Champions League uh, in Istanbul and I went yeah. into Liverpool City Centre yeah. and, you know, everyone swinging you can off celebrate, can't you? Yeah, I, th- I just, I worry that City, like to keep up with this City team, like they're so good. There's no room for slip up. You know, a couple of draws and you're out at a title race. You know, it's just, it's, it's a mad carry on and it's only going to get more difficult. I just hope and pray that Liverpool get that big moment with the fans. I think they, I think they will. I, I, I'm I confident they'll win the. I think they'll win the. I'm confident they'll win the Champions League. Touch wood. Um, well, no, mate. I, come on, Madrid have come back for the last three games. That last City get. You know, I think you will win it, but I think if you discount, I mean, you I'm, know, I'm not discounting them now. I'm not discount, but I'm confident that if Liverpool yeah. play to their ability, they should beat Real Madrid. But like yeah. Liverpool, they have this weird hoodoo with the Champions League where weird things happen. So that makes me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly going to be a great final, mate. And I hope it is a great final. But I do think you'll win it. And I think you'll beat Chelsea for the FA Cup. Honestly, I can't see you winning the league again for a while. You think? It's just I that just, consistency that City I are able, able to roll out. The only, I mean, Pep signed his new contract, didn't he, not long ago? So the only thing you could hope for is that Pep leaves and City go into disarray. And I bet City fans are thinking the same. I know Klopp's just signed his contract. So you've got two of the best teams in the world, in the in the best league in the world, so far apart from any other teams. They're just miles ahead. And I just think, I don't think Pep will allow his team to let you win the league again. I just don't think he would until he goes. Now, I'm not saying you, you won't because, you know, things happen and he might have, an, you know, injuries or whatnot. But I, I, can't, I genuinely can't see it. I just think that the way they play, and, and obviously I'm not, not discounting Liverpool. You're, you're, you're on a par. You both played the best football going. The signing of Louis Diaz has been an absolute revelation. I think you need another signing like that to, to try and get you somewhere. Maybe someone like a Darwin Nunes or someone along them lines where they'll be your, you know, your jotter for this last couple of years. You know, he's been unbelievable. To catch City, do you need someone different to Jota? You know, is he that player it's going to take you above City. And, and they're, they're, these are the questions that you've got to ask. Yeah, it's not uh, it, it's not going to be easy by any means. And there's there's one thing I want to uh, I want to finish on before we wrap up, Rice, because I I would, you know, having known you very well over the years and played with you a lot, I've seen you yeah. probably at your best and your worst. Uh, there's there's a there's an enigma in you, Jim, as a as a player. Would you say that's yeah. fair? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. You'll like this segue now. So yeah. I want to finish on another enigma of a player, yeah. uh, which is Paul Pogba, right? Oh, yeah. Now, there's room. He's obviously going to be leaving Manchester United, a club in disarray. Paul Pogba absolutely divides opinion. You've seen it the other day there with Mika Richards. Uh, Mika Richards. You know what I'm trying to say. Mika Richards and, uh, and Jamie Carragher and Jamie Redknapp. They were all having a debate as to who should sign him, would you sign him, and, and the likes. Where do you sit on this? Because there is rumours that Pep is interested. There is rumours that he could potentially go to Manchester City. I will put my hat in the ring and say he has undoubted talent. But 
after so many years at Manchester United, we still don't know his best position. He hasn't delivered on a consistent basis. And my personal opinion is I would run a mile if it was a top side that didn't build a team around him. Where do you sit on the Pogba debate? And do you think City would be foolish to look at him? I wouldn't say foolish. The question you've got to ask yourself as a manager is, could I get the best out of Paul Pogba? So I don't think his last managers have been able to do that, whether that's Oli, whether it's Ralph, whether it was um, the Dutch guy or what's his name? Van Hal. Van Hal. Are they the best people to get the best out of Pogba? Probably not. Was that Man United team good enough to support a Paul Pogba? Paul Pogba, not at all. So you go, could he fit into the Man City team? Yes. Could they build a team around him that will just do everything that Kante does for him at France? So the Paul Pogba of France and the Paul Pogba of Man United are two completely different teams, uh, two completely different players, sorry, but they're two completely different teams. So he's got Pogba, uh, he's got Kante, he's got Griezmann, Benzema all doing the, his, his dirty work and he can just get on the ball and do whatever he wants. So do I think they'll sign him? No, I don't think they need him. I don't think he, they want the upset in the in the camp if they sign him because he's not going to play every week. Um, would I sign him for a team? Yes, but it's got to be the right team. If, we, if I was Paul Pogba, I'd be going to PSG all day long. And I think that is where he'll probably end up. Um, an, easy, an easy sort of stroll around league, surrounded by great players. A lot of the players that he plays with for France, Kimpembe, um, but uh, well, Mbappe will be off. But, you know, um, they, they, they will fit a team around him. So he, he, he's not an enigma. I just think he's... Not misunderstood. He's just he's playing in a bad Man United team, and they're looking for scapegoats, and everyone's getting it. I mean, I can't believe Ronaldo being made a scapegoat. He scored twenty four goals in that absolute garbage team. It's probably yeah, I, I had to. Team. I had to. I was going to say I had to eat a little bit of humble pie on that one because I was quite vocal about the signing of Ronaldo, and I thought like United don't need Ronaldo. You know, he's old. They can't build a team. You know, they, around him, plan for the future. But to be fair. He's just scored goals, mate. And he's, he's, goals. he's our age. He's our age. Mate, he's scoring goals in the Premier League. This this could be undoubtedly, and forget about you know, don't forget all his goal scoring feats. This could be his most influential season and probably a season that he should be most proud of because he's not surrounded by Benzema's doing his bad his work. He's not surrounded by Modric feeding him balls left, right, and centre, and Cruz just finding him. He's got bloody Scott McTominay and Fred running around booting balls at him and Jaden Sancho on the sideline. Bloody, you know, he can't cross a bag of wind. And United are awful. And he scored 24 goals. That's 24 goals. And they are awful. So he got beat 4-0 by Brighton. 24 it's um, think, in the Premier it... League as well. It's not. A, it's not in France. It's not in the Bundesliga. This is the Premier League. It's the best league in the world, and he scored twenty-four goals, mate. That is some going. Do you think he was an outside bet for Player of the Year? Honestly, yeah. I don't. And I, and I get his all-round play might have changed, and and you know it. But I don't want Ronaldo to be feeding balls into. I watched a video the other day actually, and it was it was a. 
CR7 video, it was on Facebook or whatever, and it was him passing to players and what they did next. <laughs> and let me tell you, not one of them resulted in a goal. <laughs> so, you know, if, if I'm Man United, I'm going, just give the ball to Ronaldo anywhere in the box, let him do 85 step overs and have a shot. And if it goes wide, who cares? Because that's where we're, that's the only way we're scoring. And the fact when you look at the league table, United without uh, Ronaldo's goals, I think they're close to the bottom three. They're certainly in the bottom half. And all this, you know, narrative around him being a problem and they can't press. And well, imagine if he wasn't there. <laughs> then, you know, that's not be- uh, worth thinking about if I'm a United fan. Would you keep him? Good question. I'm good at this stuff, Jim. Very good <laughs> question. Would I keep him? <laughs> How could you not? Unless, <laughs> Tell me who you're going to sign. United need to spend... 500 million in this next transfer window. They need a whole new team near enough. To, uh, if I'm Ten Hag, I'm thinking, what have I done here? It's a good job he's already lost his hair because he's certainly been losing it after a while. <laughs> like me, lad, I'm losing you my hair. Look at that. Yeah, that's a big project, that, that, is, that is not... That is not somewhere I would want to be. I'm not surprised Paul Bogba doesn't want to be there. Would you? No, like, yeah, Liverpool hat off for a second. I I, I just think they have so many problems. And it actually reminds me a lot of where Liverpool have been in the past. This Mm. this kind of icon of football fallen, you know, from, from grace. Fans probably in this internal battle were still thinking that they're one of the big boys. United will always be a big boy, don't get me wrong. They're a massive club, one of the biggest, well, if not biggest, in the world. They are but, the biggest club in the world. Yeah, absolutely. But from an actual footballing sense, they're they're miles away. They're, they are miles away. Now, the biggest thing for me now is when they look at this, I think Ten Hag, you know, all the stuff you read about him, you see about him, the way he had Ajax playing, is an excellent coach. Manchester oh, yeah. United need a, an excellent coach who can get the best out of a, a struggling group, but also give them an identity. The biggest thing is how he handles the big players. Now, for me, he's got a massive job in that, A, he's got to get rid of Harry Maguire. I think he's one of the biggest problems in that Manchester United team for how they want to play or how Man United fans expect them to play. High line, attacking. Harry Maguire, and he's a good defender when he's got no space behind him. Yeah. When he played at Leicester and he's, he's defending his box, he's a good defender. He can He's, mm. he's comfortable on the ball. His confidence has been broke because he's been shoehorned into a team that play in a way that doesn't fit his capabilities. It's the same as, as Wan-Bissaka as a, as a right-back. Wan-Bissaka is an excellent 1v1 defender, but Man United in most games have the majority of the ball and they need him to be an offensive out, uh, uh, give uh, offensive output. He just yeah. can't do that. He's not that no. type of player. So I think Ten Hag has to do some major surgery. If you're looking at it now with the Ronaldo thing, I think at this moment in time, he can sail off into the sunset and his stock has never been higher. It's like when Ibrahimovic came. He banged yeah, in all the goals season. and he can go. If Ronaldo goes now, no one can blame him. He still looks like a legend. His stock is high. Ten Hag is then allowed to bring in three players or maybe one or two players that will press and play in the way that he needs them to for his identity. So it's nearly like the perfect golden handshake, the perfect goodbye at the moment. Yeah, I get that. But if you're Ronaldo, like, you know, and you've had all your doubters this year, and even now people won't, you know, contribute his goals to where United are, 
would you not want that one season under under Ten Hogs ago? You know what? And that could be that's his dilemma, isn't it? Does he go with that extra season and have a stinker and 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 stink the place out? Does he have that extra season and score thirty goals? You know, we don't know what that team is going to be like. But you're right in in what Ten Hag needs to come in and do, and it's a big job. But you know, he's done he's done that brilliantly with Ajax, and there's a couple of players there that he'd, he'd do well in bringing in, grabbing back. Um, you know, he's unbelievable. And I know that from FIFA as well. I was just going to say, that was a FIFA <laughs> stat if I've yeah, ever seen yeah. one. <laughs> no, I've seen No, I do. I told you about Louis Diaz. I, you know, I, I do see a lot of these. Only because my, my lad watches them on YouTube all the time. But I do get to, you get glimpses of these. I know it's YouTube videos. But it's totally FIFA, Jim. Who are you trying I to kill? Yeah, that one is FIFA, I'll give you that. It's even <laughs> the season he is. Um, but yeah, you know, they'll do well getting a few players from there. And I think they've got a few agreements in place um, for them players, actually, from what I've read. Um, but even still, mate, with Ten Hag coming in, I would not want to be a Man United fan for what the next perfect... five or ten years. What, what, a, what a perfect way to finish. Jim, <laughs> It's uh, it's we've been planning to get you on for a podcast for a while, mate. Did you no, enjoy mate. it? It's always been good to do when I see your face. Yeah, I love that. Love that. So, uh, yeah, you'll come back, will you? Yeah, always, mate. Anytime you want me. And if the if 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 the listeners don't desert us in droves, mate, I'll be back. <laughs> okay, look forward to it. Right, with that, that's enough from us. Um, everybody that's listened or watched on YouTube, thank you very much. It's really appreciated. If you could do me a quick favor, um, and just like the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to it, um, and subscribe on YouTube. Um, plan is to keep this, uh, keep the wheels a spinning now. Uh, and try and get an episode out each week. So if you can, leave us a review. It'll help the podcast get noticed. Uh, but most importantly, I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. Have a fantastic week. You look after yourselves, and we'll speak to you again soon on the Boot Room Podcast. All the best.